BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarosky Show as I speak. It's Thursday, November 17, 2022. Here's a couple of headlines in the newspaper today uh, to tell you what's going on in the world. And um, it's from the business section of the New York Times. And more and more, I've come to the conclusion that like, if you really want to know what's going on in the world, you should read the business page of a, like an establishment newspaper. It could be the New York Times. It could be the Wall Street Journal. Uh, just It's sort of like, if you want to understand how capitalism works, which and we live in a capitalist society, ladies and gentlemen, okay? It is a capitalist society. And you want to watch the machinations of capitalists as they play the game, the game of capitalism to benefit themselves, not necessarily benefit anyone else. You really got to read the business section because like, the business reporters, they I don't think they have an agenda other than reporting the news. Like the political reporters, everybody's got their own little agenda. This is my opinion. Maybe my distinguished guests will vehemently disagree with me. Everybody, I know I got my agenda. Uh, and uh, But everybody, more or less, you can kind of read it in the in between the lines. Business reporters are like, this is this is basically what's going down. And so everybody knows I'm obsessed at the moment with Elon Musk, the world's richest man. I believe he's the world's richest man uh, in his machinations. Uh, he, of course, uh, made his fortune with electric cars and Tesla, made an absolute fortune, became an old billionaire gazillionaire through by uh, getting liberals to buy his electric cars and getting liberal politicians to subsidize his industry uh, with all kinds of breaks for people who buy the cars. So his billions are underwritten by you, the taxpayers. Now, I could argue that it's for the benefit. It's going to be a better world if more people drive electric cars as opposed to gas-driven cars. But the reality remains that his industry, his billions, have been propped up by the American taxpayer. There's no doubt about that. If you deny that, then you're denying that like something that's basic. So in order to divert attention from that fact, he has become a quote-unquote free speech 
champion, which is such a joke because there's no such thing as free speech in our country. Everybody pays at one point or another accountable for what they say. Uh, and he bought, he used his billions from Tesla to finance his purchase of Twitter, which he is now in the process of destroying because he has no clue for what he's going to do with Twitter. So he's just firing his employees. He paid too much for it, borrowed too much for it to pay back the loan. He's got to fire people. That's capitalism, raw capitalism, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, so two headlines. One, in testimony, Musk rebuts shareholders. This has to do with a lawsuit filed by shareholders, follow me on this, of Tesla, not Twitter, Tesla. He has given himself, or he has been allowed to have like $50 billion, $50 billion reward for how he has overseen Tesla. And shareholders are saying, wait a minute. That's way too much money. You should you shouldn't be getting that much. You should be using some of that money to distribute it to your shareholders, the people who invested in your company, so that we make we get a better, bigger share of the profits. All right, uh, and and at the same time, he has uh, he delivered an ultimatum. Here's the ultimatum uh, headline: Must ultimatum to Twitter employees: Buy in or get out. Uh, so uh, in the article about the shareholders lawsuit. Uh, there, Musk was put on the stand and asked about the Tesla employees who worked for Twitter while he was in the process of buying Twitter or after he bought Twitter. So Tesla employees, following these ladies and gentlemen, were forced, uh, wait, I shouldn't say were forced, worked on Twitter to help Twitter. So these are employees paid by Tesla and they're working on Twitter. All right. Tesla stockholders are going, wait a minute. I don't want my Tesla employees working on Twitter. When I invested in Tesla, I wasn't investing in Twitter. If I wanted to invest in Twitter, I would have invested in Twitter. I think that's a legitimate point. And then so he's on the stand. Oh, boy, Musk is like, well, no, they didn't have to. They just did it because they wanted to. Ladies and gentlemen of America, I ask you this question. Do you think there's one employee at Tesla who voluntarily worked on Twitter while employed by Tesla? Do you think they said, yeah, I want to give up my time. I don't want to be with my wife, my kids, my husband, whatever. Tonight, I want to stay up late working on the Twitter account, even though I'm paid for Tesla. <laughs> Next to that is the article where Musk gives out the ultimatum to Twitter employees. You either sign my loyalty oath or go. So on one hand, he's saying to Oh, Tesla employees just on their own, voluntarily worked on Twitter. And the other hand, there's an article about you either do it my way or it's the highway. That's just in one newspaper. And they didn't even connect the two articles, by the way. They just happened to be side by side. I had to take that deep dive, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm utterly obsessed with capitalism and Elon Musk. All right, without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. She sat through that. And she's, I think she probably agreed with me because she shields this from me, ladies and gentlemen. She's probably as lefty as I am. She just doesn't <laughs> admit it. Introduce yourself, distinguished guest. I'm Ramana Hussein. I'm an editorial board member and columnist at the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, and a closet lefty. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just have to ask you point blank. Do you no, think Tesla, Do you think a Tesla employee voluntarily worked on Twitter problems, or do you think a Tesla employee knew that hmm, if I didn't work on this Twitter problem, oh boy, would fire me. Elon Musk would fire me for my job. I would go with the second scenario. I mean, who who wants to, I mean, if you're working all day at Tesla, I'm just saying, like, I work all day at the Sun-Times. I don't want to do anything else. 
You know what I mean? So unless I'm getting paid the really big bucks. So I I don't buy that either. I mean, I, I am, you know, I'm still on Twitter and I'm following like, you know, from the side, you know, I'm not reading every single article about Elon Musk, but I'm reading a lot of them. And so far, a lot of it hasn't been favorable. I mean, I sent you the one about his, the the one, the essay that his first wife wrote. Yes. So I don't know if you read it or not. And I told you about his hair plugs. So I did. No, you you did send me that. And my response to you was, why did she sign the prenup after the fact? Yeah, maybe maybe she thought it would last. I don't know. It's 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 he just sounds like a piece of work. And uh, just hearing what he's doing to the Twitter employees. I mean, even if you disagreed with Twitter before, I mean, some of these people like when it came to, you know, they had a whole human rights group, um, you know, all these people that are pretty important when it comes to, you know, content that's on Twitter, you know, firing them, it's it's just not, it's just not going to be, I don't know, we're just gonna have to watch to see what happens in the next few months, but it doesn't seem to be going in the right direction. Uh, that is uh, putting it mildly, yes, it doesn't seem to be going in the right direction. Or we have a lot of things to talk about. Let's talk Dave Chappelle first. Uh, and uh, one of my many obsessions, Romana knows this, because I'm always talking, sending her uh, bits, comic bits, uh, I've just, love sending people comic bits that I find uh, on Instagram. And I'm a big fan of Dave Chappelle. I got to confess this. Or Romana, there's some of the stuff he does. I find troublesome, you know, uh, it makes me uncomfortable. I wish he hadn't said it. Uh, but overall, when I think back in his career, uh, I'm a fan of Dave Chappelle and I listen to him and I always feel like he has something uh, to say that'll make me think and sort of expand my universe a little bit. Uh, and um, so he, of course, weighed in this Saturday. Uh, yeah, Saturday Night Live, his opening monologue, uh, which apparently, I don't know if this is true, but there's a story that came out in the New York Post that said uh, he, he didn't let anybody know that that was going to be, he's, he's going to open with his comments about Kanye, Kyrie, uh, and Jewish people. Uh, so I don't know if that's true or not, but that's an interesting little sneaky one there, Dave, uh, if that is true. I I listened to it. Uh, I listened to it twice, and then I read the transcript. So you might say I'm really obsessed. I thought it was funny. I thought it was enlightening. There were parts uh, I could quibble over. Uh, his his opening about the Jews, uh, that bit about the Jews. He says there's two words you can't say consecutive sequence, and and that is the and Jews. And I couldn't like, well, are you complaining that you can't say that? Or are you just pointing out a fact? Seems like you're complaining. Like you really want to say that, which, you know, uh, just kind of curious thing. You like, why do you want to say that so much? Uh, I don't think you should say the anybody because that just lumps everybody into one thing. Uh, but, you know, quibble, uh, Romano. Other than that, I mean, he had me laughing out loud. The, the yay stuff with the chain and then of course he went into the political end which nobody's talking about his, his uh, Donald Trump is an honest liar bit and overall I really thought it was vintage uh, Dave Chappelle and I welcomed it uh, because it just kind of opened up a topic uh, for people to talk about and think about and there's reaction and uh, so that was my general uh, reaction to uh, his opening uh, monologue uh, what was yours? I thought 
was pretty funny, actually, um, overall. Um, I, I I know sometimes I, I have issues with his humor, but in general, I think he's pretty funny. And I, I remember when he had his uh, Chappelle show, I thought he was, I thought it was pretty funny. Um, you know, there's sometimes, you know, maybe when he's talking about certain things I have a problem with, but um, in general, I think he's pretty um, poignant. And I did... I, I don't know when I when I heard the part about uh, the Jewish people. I think he was. I think for me, I think he was trying to prove a point that there's certain things you can say and there's certain things you can't say. And, and obviously, you can say anything you want, but there's consequences. So what I think he was saying is that when you say certain things about Jewish groups, that's when you face consequences, and not with the other 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 groups. And that's I think that's what I think he was saying. But. I, I understand that if you, you know you were quibbling with it, but you thought it was funny. And I, I do think it's generational. Like I, I saw in my Facebook, it was generational. The people who were objecting to it, they tended to be on the older side. So um, I don't know. That's what I found. I think a lot of people did like what he had to say. I, I, I feel like in a way, like, you know, how he was, Dave Chappelle was kind of lambasted last year on his uh, transphobia. I feel like he kind of elevated himself after this SNL appearance. I don't know. I think overall, I could be wrong. Well, okay. So a lot of people were expecting that he would address uh, the issues of his relation with the trans community and whether he was transphobic and whether he was punching down in his comedy, which was a conversation we were having about a year ago. Probably had it with you. I know I had it on the show a lot. Yeah, you made me uh, you made me watch his uh, special. <laughs> I remember he made me watch his special with the with the co- comedians at the end who've been like criticized, and I we we both agreed that he was a, in the wrong in that issue, or like yeah. we, we felt like he should listen to what the complaint what complaints people had. That's that's what we agreed with. I think I think he just should have just been a little more open minded, but I don't know. I just saw I just saw so I didn't watch the whole SNL. I. I don't think it's, it's been like probably decades since I watched an entire um, episode. No, no, actually I shouldn't say that. Cause I didn't, I think I, maybe I, no, no. I think it's been decades since I watched an entire show of SNL, like on one, like one sitting, I think um, the internet has made it easier for people to get bits and pieces. Like if there's a funny sketch, <clears throat> somebody will be like, Hey, did you see the sketch? And then you could just share it. So nobody really, I don't know anybody who really watches um, Saturday Night Live but I heard that there were some writers who boycotted the show and you told me that some of the sketches weren't that funny, but I didn't think he needed any of writers for his monologue, which I thought was pretty good. And I, I, I thought that I thought the Kanye and Kyrie stuff was pretty funny. I mean, it was funny when he said stuff, when he, when he made that comment about how Kanye got so much in trouble, <laughs> Kyrie got in trouble. It was, it was, that made me laugh. I mean, I did, I did think it was really funny. No, I, I thought that was a funny line too. And uh, I, I know a lot of Jewish people were upset, uh, and I've been having back and forth with them because they take very serious. Uh, well, definitely, uh, I'm sorry, yay! I mean, he's lost his freaking mind, and you got Nazis out there that honk if uh, you agree with oh, yay on, yeah. on Jews. So yeah, and, and like, like you saw, you saw <laughs> the um, the um, headstones in uh, yes, the Waukegan, Waukegan Cemetery. You know, anti-Semitism is very real, and and I would never say that it's it's a good, it's a right thing. But um, as someone who's Muslim. <laughs> I can say that there's some some groups that you could say things about and still kind of have a career and get away with it. But um, and I'm not saying that it's OK to be anti-Semitic because it isn't because it does get, you know, you 
when there is someone, um, I actually wrote the editorial a couple of weeks ago about anti-Semitism and yay making the comments um, about how it emboldens people. I mean, right after Kanye made those comments, they had uh, in LA, there was people on an overpass that would like unfurled the, like the Nazi symbol. And they said something like honk, if you agree with yay. So it's like, people feel like, Oh, okay. This guy's saying it. He's cool. He's in power. And so it is wrong. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. For me, it was like Chappelle is just making a point that there are some things you can say and everybody's outraged. And then meanwhile, you can target other groups and everybody is just like, just still kind of walking around acting like it's normal. And, and, at, and at the same time, I also understand like how certain people in, you know, different people in parts of the different Jewish community might feel differently because some people are more sensitive than others. And that's natural. Sometimes I get offended by certain things. You know, when people say stuff about Muslims and younger people are like, Oh, it's not that bad. You're like way too sensitive. And this is like pop culture stuff. And so I'm like, Oh, that's totally wrong. And then, you know, some people like sometimes, sometimes things won't offend me that much as they'll offend other people. But because we're marginalized groups, I think, um, would you say the Jewish groups are, are, are marginal, marginalized group or a group that's often like, you know, I guess there are people out there who make anti-Semitic comments. So when you're part of this groups that gets targeted with hate speech and hate crimes, I think you just become more, a little more sensitive. And especially, you know, in light of what happened to the Jewish community during World War II or before World War II, I understand that. So, you know, I'm, I'm not part of that group. So, like, for me, it's like as someone who's part of another marginalized group and another group that gets targeted, I feel like, yeah, you know, people get upset rightfully when people say stuff about Jewish people. But um, when people say stuff about Muslim people, like, everybody just kind of walks around and continues their day and they don't get offended. And so that's, I know for my community, and Dave Chappelle, by the way, is... <laughs> Muslim. He's like, you know, he doesn't talk about it that much because he said that he, he thinks that that's like a separate thing. But um, uh, so, I, you know, I, I, I think I think that's a point he was trying to make. But I could see people seeing it differently or seeing like you want to say that. Is that what you want to say? Like, you know what I mean, so um, I, I understand like all I try to be I try to be open minded and try to understand what where everybody's coming from. Like, um, you know, I'm not going to go around trying to make anti-Semitic jokes. You know, so I, I do, I, you know, I try to be sensitive. I'm not saying I'm always perfect and, you know, I don't make mistakes, but I, I try to understand where everybody's coming from. Well, uh, uh, I didn't pick up that, that part of the, the joke where he said, like, you could say this about some people, but you can't say it about other people. I just thought he, he, he was just being open, like, uh, pointing out that, but, uh, but remember when he said something like when it's a bunch of black people, they're a gang when they're a bunch of Italian people, you know, and he's going through the whole Hollywood trope. I, I think that's what, I think that was what he was going through, but I could, I could be wrong. That's how I, that's and, and how no, I and then it. he closed it with it. And when it's, uh, 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 Jews, it's, uh, a coincidence, uh, which, oh my God, that got a lot of people irritated. Uh, but you know, th but this is the reality, this is a reality. You know, I, and I, I, so I remember when um, the uh, opposition was developing uh, over Native Americans being used as uh, mascots for various sports teams. And I had, I just like, yeah, this is ridiculous, absurd. We got to stop doing this. Chicago Blackhawks, just saying. Uh, and, um, and so uh, my friends of the the Notre Dame uh, 
uh, loving community would come right back and go, Ben, we don't care. We're the fighting Irish. We don't care. We have a leprechaun as our symbol. And I'm like, well, why don't you just think about the history of Irish Americans in America and compare it to the history of Native Americans in America and just think about it for a while. And so like people would say to me, like, why do Jewish people get upset when they talk about Jewtown, but you could talk about Greektown or you could talk about Chinatown? Well, I go, just think about the history, okay, and the ghettoization and the Warsaw again. Just take a moment to put yourself in somebody's shoes. I know that's really hard, Americans, just to think about what somebody else might be going through. But just, you know, so. No, uh, I agree with you. Yeah. Remember, I went to Niles West. We were the Niles West Indians when I was in high school. And not my kind of Indian, not South Asians. We were Native American. <laughs> I'm just our, our, our mascot, our mascot was like an Indian. I remember interviewing, like when I was a sophomore, I, I interviewed the mascot and she would dress up, the mascots would dress up as Native Americans and do a little dance. And then, you know, the wrestlers, um, the wrestlers had something called the savage of the week. And, you know, it was like, I guess the best player that week or the best wrestler that week. And so um, I remember there was Native American groups that came to our school um, when I was a uh, junior or senior in high school. And I think I talked about this, Ben, but I, I debated why it was wrong. And and every, I, I'm not trying to like, okay, maybe I'm trying to go after the white kids. Every single white kid in our class was like, what's wrong with it? It's something to be like proud of. And and I, I debated it in my Spanish class. I still remember. And I remember saying like, well, if the Native Americans are saying it's offensive, we should take a look at it. And our school didn't do anything for years until my younger siblings went to um, high school and they changed the names from the Indians to the wolves. And I think I think they might have made slowly changes like, you know, they slowly tried to make the changes where like they wouldn't have the mascot. They're like, okay, we won't have someone dancing around. We'll get rid of savage of the week, but it'll be an Indian. And I think today, you know, my younger, my older sister actually works for the high school district, the town Niles township now. And she says that, um, you know, all the time she gets notes from alumni, like older people who graduated in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And they're so upset that they're not Indians anymore. And they're like, you know, complaining about it like that's what all they have to do I, and you kind of have to wonder like what do you do with your life if that's like all you think about you know so um no I understand and you know people said the same thing to me after 9-11 and then there's a lot of anti-Muslim hate I knew some Irish and Polish friends who were just like well okay it's fine it's your turn we have to deal with it too and I was like thinking to myself none of you guys had to deal with it you weren't there when Irish the Irish and the Polish were being mistreated <laughs> I mean most of my life yeah. Being an Irish person in Chicago helped you. Like, you know, I mean, I know Indian American woman judge. Um, her last name is Walsh. And I mean, I'm not saying that's how why she became a judge. But don't tell me when her name is on the ballot, instead of a last name that sounds more Indian. Don't tell me that helps that she has Walsh as a last name because her <laughs> husband is an Irish American. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. you know, being Irish is like, I mean, no, nobody even like. I don't know. It's it's just, I don't know how you can, like, you know, I can even understand, like, Italian Italian groups being upset about being depicted as mobsters. But at this point, Irish Americans, I mean, I guess they get accused of being drunk and drinking a lot. But well, 
but but I mean, that's like, that's like, I mean, even like when, when I was in, uh, when I started off in journalism, I didn't realize that paddy wagon was an offensive term until someone, Maureen O'Donnell, I think pointed it out to me while it was offensive. And then, then I understood, I didn't realize I didn't put two and two together. I just thought it was a word paddy, but then I realized it was, you know, and that's so I don't use the word anymore. So (laughs) I'm just saying like, people need to listen, but I don't think being Irish American is really that I don't think I don't think you're suffering as a as a group of people being Irish American at the risk of being uh, called too politically uh, correct I will say this because I believe this I don't really care if people call me too politically correct I don't I think we should fall out of the habit of saying the blanks and Mayor Lori Lightfoot, oh, she did, did this. Did I say which, the Irish? Sorry, I didn't mean the Irish. No, but no, oh. you, you, you would, I wasn't directing it at you. Just in general. So, for instance, like the notion that the Italians are uh, the mob. They're, they're, no, they're not. There's like a lot of law-abiding Italian Americans. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, can we just fall out of the habit of? And Lori Lightfoot, remember when she got into a fight over uh, the Columbus statue? She was quoted. Yeah, as she goes the Italians. The, the Italians. She kept talking the Italians. Like, but you. Can, she was talking but, about it. But, but you can still be racist without using that article, right? The you don't have to say the. You could just. Say but I it. just think ordinary people just like in just. I know you can't stop people's behavior overnight, but I me mean, just think about it. You know, like just don't take one uh, person and make them an entire group. No, you know what I'm I saying? Agree. I like, agree. It's wrong to stereotype. It's definitely wrong to stereotype. Yeah, just Even, like yeah. every Italian is this way. Every Irishman is this way. Uh, you are not doing that. I'm just saying that in uh, in general. The other part of the uh, uh, his monologue, we got to the political end, uh, it was when he the thing about Trump as an honest liar, and I've been talking about that on the show a lot. Uh, I thought that was really smart, like really summed up a lot. Get your thoughts about this. Like Trump lies all the time, but every now and then he blurts something out. And this is uh, what Dave Chappelle used a particular example about the tax code. Uh, but he, Donald Trump does it all the time, like blurt some reality out uh, that nobody, no other politician would say. You get what I'm saying, and that way he's honest, and I, and that that was his appeal. Uh, Chappelle was saying to MAGA. Ultimately, his appeal was like, "Yeah, he's saying it. The system is rigged, and he knows because he's rigging this. He's a beneficiary, and he's not going to do anything about it. But he will admit that it's rigged. So that way, he's an honest liar. I thought that was uh, on target. What do you think about that? I thought so too. I mean, Dave Chappelle talked about how because he he's from Ohio and he still lives in Ohio. I think for most of his most of his time, um, but yeah, that's what he was saying. But he. You know, what he was saying is he was an honest liar. He was saying that he says things are, you know, he's like, I'm not part of, you know, I'm not a regular politician. You know, I'm not the po- a politician. Yeah, that's true. But he's benefiting from the system. So that I think that's the part that goes over the people's heads so that he's, you know, all his supporters heads like he'll say like, oh, you know, I'm not part of the elitist Washington group or but he is an elitist. You know, they, they don't see that part. So they they hear him saying stuff that they say and are saying about politicians, but that then, you know, they're not paying attention to the part where he's actually benefiting from that system that, you know, that, you know, that helps the elite or helps the people with money. So that, 
I think that I think I thought that was pretty smart. And I, and it really made me think, too, about why people support Trump. Right. Like they hear that part, the part that they're always talking about and how like, you know, you know, we always hear about conservatives talking about the elitist and East Coast elitist, the West Coast elitist. And and so he's kind of giving them what they want. Right. Or what they say. And then slipping in the nugget that he's the one that's benefiting from this and they're just kind of watching it happen. So, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty brilliant. Yeah, Dave Chappelle, uh, some good stuff. And uh, I don't know, pound for pound, the line about uh, Ye and his gold necklace. I think I laughed out loud. Oh, that, you know, was, that was the best. That was the best because he had to put the fun, he had to put his chains back on because he's a yeah. millionaire now. Because yeah, for those who haven't listened, he was saying that Kanye once said that billionaires don't wear their chains. And then Dave Chappelle said he had to hide his gold chain. But then, you know, once he lost the Adidas account, he had to, um, the billions, and he became a millionaire to take out his gold chain. I thought that was pretty Yeah, put too. that back gold chain back on. Uh, anyway, I urge everybody, if you haven't listened, to give it a, a listen and have an open mind. And, you know, uh, let's move on. I think comedians uh, do serve a purpose, uh, by and large. Uh, they just get us to, um, in a funny way, they, they get us to confront uh, disturbing issues. They have that ability, that potential. And I'm always sending, Ramana knows this, I'm always sending her links, comic links. Uh, yeah, you follow you follow a lot of uh, South Asian comics and Asian comics, I realized, you know, so. No, you're, there's you're, some, yeah. You're, well, you're, they're, they're, you have a yeah. diverse array of uh, comedians that you follow. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, and um, that one guy I sent you, I just think that guy, Zane, is hilarious. I, I just, my, you, I, more often than not, I refrain. I'm going to do a, a piece about this. Like, I realize I send people too many of those links. So I'm really, really sick. No, like, there's like five a day I could send you. Like, the one, I don't know if you saw this. Um, uh, Roy Wood, the bit he did with Trevor Noah. I think Trevor Noah is really funny. And uh, talking about Elon Musk as a football coach, I almost sent that to you and go, eh, I, 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 I've been sending Ramona too many things. You know, I'm going <laughs> to go easy on her. Uh, so I just send those, like, there's my daughters get like literally dozens of those things. Um, all right. Uh, I got to ask you. Uh, this I've been talking about this. This story broke uh, in today's paper. Uh, well, broke to old timers like me who read newspapers still. Uh, the rest of the world was talking about it yesterday. I call it Donut Gate. Uh, shout out to whoever writes the headlines at my beloved bright one, the Sun Times. Uh, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> so stupid, but I just think it's funny about Lori Lightfoot. Um, and she had her security detail uh, park uh, in a bike zone while she ran into a bakery to get a, a much-needed donut. Uh, and, um, of course, uh, that's illegal to park in a bike zone. And it's, uh, it's dangerous to bikers because that will force them to go into traffic. Uh, and uh, the whole point is to encourage bikers. What do you think about this, uh, Ramon? I've been really talking a lot about it. Do you think it's too much made out of too little? Do you think it's re it reflects a hypocrisy uh, on the part of the mayor? That's indicative of hypocrisies on the part of uh, the last mayor too, because he was his detail. Rams was always going through red lights, uh, getting tickets which then they would not pay. Um, 
I have a whole theory that it's part of the reason why Chicagoans are so cynical and it's, it, can, it contributes to the, just the nihilistic view in this town and lower voter turnout, et cetera, because politicians are so full of it. They say one thing and they do something else. What, what's your thoughts about Donut Gate? Well, I think I think it's an important issue to bring up. Um, it's definitely important. Cars shouldn't be parked in those bike lanes, those protected bike lanes. Um, I, I did uh, an editorial a few months back about how this one woman, there was like, I think a delivery truck in the parked in the bike lane. And then be, and this woman was driving with her little baby in the back. And because she was, she got wedged in and got dragged by another truck that turned. And so she, this woman ended up dying. And I'm, I'm trying to remember if her child was killed too. I think her child might've been killed too, but it was, it was, it was, a, I think the child might've been killed and it was a really sad story. So it is a serious issue. Do I think it's like the biggest, um, do I think it's like the biggest crime in the world? No, I don't. Um, but I think it's something that we just need to remind people that we need to follow traffic laws. And that includes not being in the protected bike lane, whether it's like, you know, the, the mayor's detail or like me, you know, and I'm sure I've done it by, you know, pulled up to something and put my emergency brakes on and I'm, and I try to stay out of the bike lanes. I get kind of paranoid too sometimes. Um, I just think it's important. I think um, cyclists need to follow the rules over the roads because there are a lot of cyclists who don't follow the rules of the road. And there's a lot of drivers who don't follow the rules of the roads or distracted. Um, and that's me sometimes too. And um, not paying attention, not paying attention to the cyclists who are around them. So for me, it's like just a reminder. I mean, it's a. I think it's a fun story that our people are going to talk about. We actually discussed it in our editorial board meeting today. And, you know, it seems like the mayor, um, you know, said, you know, she said everything but apologized for that because, you know, she's probably thinking that, well, it wasn't me who parked up there, you know. So um, I forgot what kind of donuts was she getting even. that's That was my I question. I don't know. That's a bigger story. <laughs> I, I was discussing that with another guest. Was it you know, cream donuts? We need to know these details. Yeah, and I was like, was it Dunkin' Donuts? Like, where where was it? No, no, it was definitely not. It was a bakery. It was like one of those uh, really, like, okay, one of those, like, mom-pop yeah. bakery. But I was, like, curious what kind of donuts she got. It was but... definitely not Dunkin' Donuts. The mayor does not go to Dunkin' Donuts. So, go ahead. So, no, anyway, I, 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 we did discuss it. Um, You know how I feel. I mean, I sometimes feel like the bike cyclist community is a little overly passionate. Um, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not going to say any names, but um, I, I do think they sometimes ignore the fact that there are people who are following rules of roads and there's cyclists who aren't paying attention. But I, I, that doesn't mean that I don't think that cyclists, you know, they deserve to be safe when they're out on the road because, you know, cars are a lot you know, heavier than the, you know, the cyclist who's wearing a helmet and, you know, it could do a lot more damage cyclist versus car than, you know, than somebody who's inside. You know, the cyclist could get more injured than the person who's in the car. So it is an important issue. But like I said, it, I don't think it's like the biggest crime of the century. I think it's one of those things that's a story that's a talker. And it is also a reminder that we need to pay attention to where we're driving. And that means a cyclist or a motorist. Uh, yeah, I, uh, by the way, just want to say the views and opinions of Romano Hussein, or those of Romano Hussein, and do not necessarily reflect the Benderovsky show, particularly when it comes to bicyclists. Uh, I, um, all right, let's move on to Donald Trump 
uh, and uh, Essie Cup. Uh, Romano likes to tease me about how much I love Essie Cup. She's a columnist for, well, she's a syndicated columnist and the Sun-Times runs her, I, I don't think about once or twice a month. Uh, she's conservative. Her politics are to the right of me on pretty much every issue, but she uh, took a stand. I got to give her credit for this. Uh, against Donald Trump and Trumpism and MAGA. And she's held uh, on that stand, been writing one uh, hard-hitting column after another about the um, uh, the politics of hate uh, that Donald Trump represents. Uh, her current column has to do with Donald Trump's uh, announcement that he is running for re-election. I, I watched a good chunk of his re-election uh, uh, speech. Uh, Ramon, I don't know if you watched any of it at all, and um no i didn't uh, i should i should yeah. i should read about it i i was i i remember that i saw pictures of them setting it up i think it was gonna be nine o'clock i think it was nine o'clock um chicago time that he announced and i guess it wasn't my priority at the time yeah no I did, and i'm sure <laughs> it's a good decision uh because it was really bad speech it was um I think she was uh, correct. She wrote the headline on the on her column is "Has Donald Trump Finally Become Boring?" Uh, and one thing is clear is that MAGA. There are strong indications that MAGA is turning against Donald Trump. Uh, the Republican, the, the lead of the Republican Party, want him out because they realize uh, he's just toxic, uh, and uh, he'll probably mean that they will lose the next election if he is the Republican candidate. But uh, MAGA is maybe turning against him, and I base this on an email uh, that I got from a MAGA outlet. I talked about this in another sh uh, interview with the guest, Ramana, and the headline was uh, uh, DeSantis ahead of Trump by 18 percentage points in some poll. I'm doing that from memory, that headline. But the point is, it is the first time I've ever seen this MAGA outlet badmouth Donald Trump. They were promoting somebody else, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, over Trump. And I'm like, wow, this, this, like, this is a MAGA, this is a MAGA outfit that is always promoting Donald Trump. Now they're turning against him. And it's the indication uh, that Maybe this could, <laughs> I hesitate to say this because everybody under always counts him out before he's done. But like this could be the real thing in terms of Donald Trump being ousted by MAGA and the Republicans. Your thoughts? Um, I think I think you're right. I mean, I was reading an article the other day where his major donors have stopped giving him money and they announced his intention to stop giving him money. I think Ken Griffin was one of those people. There was a Rolling Stone article that was, that was published yesterday. And so now there's all this infighting too amongst all these, you know, you know, people who formally love Trump or said that they love Trump. So um, I, I, I still think that, I know you said that the end of SE cup, she mentioned that, um, you know, people said, Oh, don't worry. He won't win. But I don't know. I'm never going to say that because I thought in 2016, Donald Trump, Donald Trump could never win the presidential election. So, um, you know, if he did, if he was the Republican candidate, w wouldn't the Republic? I think the same people who say that they're fighting with him right now, I think eventually they would side with him, wouldn't they? I don't think they would suddenly be like suddenly grow conscious. You know, this is more about vying for power. It's it's like if Donald Trump becomes a candidate, all these people who are bad mouthing Donald Trump right now, all the Republicans who are bad mouthing Donald Trump right now and acting like they see the light, 
they're the lights are going to go off when Donald Trump, if Donald Trump gets the candidacy for the Republican, um, uh, I guess the Republican uh, opponent against whoever it's the Democrat. So I, I think I, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't really trust a lot of these uh, Republican players to necessarily put their money where their mouth is there. They might be putting their money behind another candidate. But like I said, if, if Donald Trump is the, you know, the leading contender, then they're going to go to him because they won't want the other, they won't want the Democrats to win. Well, uh, so the interesting little uh, issue that uh, provoked uh, SE Cup is this. Uh, in the aftermath of Trump's announcement that he's running again, uh, several Democrats like uh, Bernie Sanders uh, and Terry McAuliffe, who's the DNC chair and a former Virginia governor, said, oh, yes, we relish Donald Trump running again because we think we can beat Donald Trump. Uh, and her uh, her point is, I'll read it. Exactly. Instead of chomping at the bit for a rematch, Democrats should join the rest of us, including many Republicans and conservatives, in being glad that awful chapter is over, resisting the pull of Trump show 2.0 and t- tuning the big loser out for good. But I think that just shows the difference between uh, a Republican who can't stand Trump and a Democrat who can't stand Republican policies, if you follow what I'm saying. Uh, so, you know, t- she took a principled stand against Donald Trump, but she believes in Republican policies. So she wants Republicans to win. Bernie Sanders and Terry McAuliffe, they don't like Republican, well, definitely Bernie Sanders, doesn't like Republican policies. So if it's easier to defeat Republican policies by having Donald Trump on the ticket, they welcome it. I think that's the yeah, the difference. Yeah, yeah for sure. But I don't know. I, I know what you're saying. I, 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 I know what you're saying, but I don't know. I, I just don't trust any of these Republicans, I guess. We're yeah. not, I shouldn't say... I shouldn't say that, but I'm just saying I don't trust a lot of these right-wing politicians. All right, fair enough. All right, we'll close with a, a, a Ramada recommendation. Uh, what shows you were watching? I'm in really in a slump right now, Ramana, so I need some help. Uh, so what you got for us? Well, did you watch, did you do your homework that I told you to do? Uh, to watch the, not. yeah, I told Oops. you to watch the Hassan Minaj uh, <laughs> special, which you didn't. But, oh, yes. No, I didn't do my homework. Yeah, okay. I know you didn't because you would have said something about it, but <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. I know you're busy. You're busy. You have a lot going on. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of a loss, too. I mean, I, you know, I've been watching the shows that I've mentioned before. I mean, Brahmi, I'm watching with Mick, so that's mm. going to take a while. I mean, we're up to <laughs> episode seven and we've been stuck there for a while just because we we're busy the last couple of weekends and we only Mick only watches on weekends, um, shows on weekends. So I don't know. I, I do want to watch All Quiet on the Western Front, which is on Netflix. Um, I don't know if you read the book, but I read the book in high school. Mick never read it. So he ordered it. Um, and so he wants to read it first. So that's going to be a while before because he's reading, <laughs> he's reading a really thick book on like, you know, sh- a black uh, Chicago political figures. And it's like five, it's like a thousand. It looks like it's like, it's like a really big book. I have to like keep it from <laughs> falling on his head while he falls asleep when we're going to sleep. So that's going to take uh that's going to take a, a while for him to finish through. So I don't know when we're going to watch that, but I do. That's the next show I want to watch. Um, there probably is another show that I'll watch. Um, I'm, I, I, I just, there's a, there's a, the, the movies that I mentioned. Um, I'm still waiting either to come in theater or to watch, but um, I know we've talked about that decision to leave is one of them. And then the one with um, God, uh, Kate Blanchett, I want to see that where she plays the conductor. 
Oh, the, the conductor yeah. tour. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I heard that was good, but I heard it was a little odd too, but um, so those are, those are the movies I want to see, but I, I mentioned those already. So if I sound like a broken record to everyone, no, it is I, I'm a broken record. but yeah, I all quite on the Western front is definitely like, you know, I have a lot of, I have low end shows that I watch and then there's high end shows, but that's like a higher end show that I want to watch. Uh, I'll, all right. I'll dutifully watch that, but no, the, uh, the, the Hassan Massage. So I, yes, I, I have to watch that. That's on my list. I got to tell you, I've, this new thing I enjoy uh, is giving shows the heave ho. So even, <laughs> so it's like I watch a show for a couple episodes. And I go, all right, that's it. So I think I'm ready to give this show Chloe. Have you ever heard Chloe? Have you ever heard no, of this show? It? So I don't know, some Brits. So it's a British show. Is it good? About this. I mean, I watched the first two episodes. It's about this demented woman who uh, insinuates herself in the lives of uh, these people. She's really weird and twisted and uh, it's really slow and ponderous and uh, and demented, you know? And I'm like, okay, two episodes. I'm ready to give it the heave ho. <laughs> I do that a lot these days. Really. It's okay. All right, it's okay. I, I, I'm one of those people, like, it's kind of like a book. Like, if I start it, I'll finish it usually unless it's really really bad have you ever done this which is like i'm getting in trouble with the um the watching tv police like you watch the first two or three episodes of, of a seven part show let's say or segment segment and they say you know what i'm just going to the end to see how this works no out. i've never, done, never that. done that i've never done that <laughs> I, I i'm usually like i'll read to see what people are writing about the show so nine out of ten times i know if it really sucks and like you know if there's a show that i'm like not that crazy about and i'm watching with mick i'll still watch the whole thing with him even if i think it's not that great you know what i mean but yeah i'll watch i'll i usually watch go through the whole thing i do that with books too even if i don't like the books that i'm reading i think the only time i didn't do that was one time and i'm forgetting what it's a classic book that everybody thinks is wonderful and i thought it was so boring and i'm i'm just trying to remember which one it was and i was like i think i should read this book and i just thought it was so boring so i i just put it down but usually i'll i'll read everything if i start it and if i'm starting something i'll watch it too all right, uh, Romano Sain is a columnist and editorial writer for the Sun Times. By the time this show drops, your new, your latest column uh, will be on the streets. Uh, so why don't you just give us a little preview, a sneak preview of your next column? Yeah, I'm actually writing on um, being an Asian American and uh, the challenges Asian Americans face when they apply to colleges, and tie it to the battle on um, or the fight to get rid of affirmative action. Um, which is a very sad situation. So I am in defense of um, affirmative action. All right. We'll probably take a deep dive in that uh, after the column runs, uh, which will be this uh, Sunday in uh, my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times. Romana, thank you very much for interrupting. I'm sure it's a hectic day for you for this conversation. And I'll talk to you real soon. All right. Yeah. Talk to you later. All right. That's great. Romana Hussein. I'm Ben Drofsky. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 